Hey everybody, we're super excited to introduce you to one of our advertisers, Northwest Naturals, one of the pioneers in creating raw food diets for pets. And as retailers, we are super particular about what food brands we carry or recommend in our stores. And there are so many things that we love about Northwest Naturals. For one thing, they're a family-owned and operated green sustainable company based in Portland, Oregon. I love supporting other small businesses. Me too. In fact, Carly, Northwest Naturals was the first raw food I brought into my store 17 years ago. I feed it regularly to my dogs and it's one of the best sellers in my store. Their USDA manufacturing plants control all aspects of food production from ingredient sourcing through final packaging. Plus. They have so many options. They have raw, frozen, and freeze-dried diets for dogs and cats, frozen and freeze-dried treats, raw bones, and functional toppers. I know that our customers love having a variety of choices when they shop with us, and it's nice to be able to introduce them to a bunch of additional products when they find a brand they like. We will only work with advertisers on this podcast who we truly endorse and encourage you to consider carrying in your own store. If you want to learn more information about Northwest Naturals, check out their website, www.nw-naturals.net. That's www.nw-naturals.net. Attention, independent pet pros. Let me introduce you to the Pet Shop Girls, presented by Pet Product News. Hey, everybody. Sherry here, along with... Carly. And we have a very special guest for you today. Pillar in the pet industry, owning a grooming and retail store for 20 years. He wrote a monthly article for Pet Product News for 10 years, and he advocates for consumers at AFCO meetings. He served on the board of directors for the World Pet Association, where he used his passion for championing the interests of micro-independent pet retailers. He continues to inspire, and I am a personal fan of his. Here he is, BC Henshin. Woo! Thank you. (laughs) All right, Carly, what are we talking about with BC today? What's going on? All right. Well, you know what? I always say that I'm pretty particular about the brands that I carry, but Mr. BC, uh, he's even a little bit more particular than I am. But I think that it goes further than just the quality of the product and the beautiful packaging that it comes in. I think there's so many different components to how we as independents select brands. And that's where I figured BC would be fantastic to talk about because I'm sure BC, you had some pretty, uh, not only strict criteria about who and what you would carry, but you looked for more than just the quality and the pretty packaging. Absolutely. Uh, Luckily, there are so many good brands that actually meet a lot of my qualifications when selecting and if we go back 20 years, there weren't. I mean, literally, I could probably count on one hand that brands that I would deal with. So we've evolved, and there's a lot more brands, but now we get it, We need to be more particular. The worst thing a micro-independent can do, in my opinion, is to have too many choices in your store. Shelf space is expensive, and if you're selling against brands that are already in your store... It just doesn't make sense. If you're just going to be flipping people off of brand A to brand B to brand C, why have B and C if A can make the mark? So for me, 
when I first started out, and if we go way back, I had one brand that I trusted, and it, it was a co-packed brand, which meant it was manufactured by somebody else, and it was just basically labeled by them. And at the time, you know, a lot of these newer brands, that was the only way they could get started in the business. And that also, a lot of these co-packers lock up the ingredients. So I actually love this brand. I was working for PetSmart at the time. So this is 20 plus years ago. And I was selling this brand out of the trunk of my car not to PetSmart customers, but to employees of PetSmart. All the employees were buying this food off of me because PetSmart did not offer it. Nobody even knew about it. So I started off with Whole Dog Journal, which was a publication, and they had a list, their approved list. And that was my first start, was you needed to be on that list to be in my store. And then I learned more about manufacturing and sourcing, and I was able to take those standards and actually narrow them down further. So nowadays, when it's easy to get past the quality, the manufacturing, the safety protocols, the history, now when I'm talking to a brand and we've cleared those hurdles, I'm looking for transparency, I'm looking for access, and... I'm looking for you to tell me how you are going to sell your food in my store. If the sales rep doesn't have an answer to that, then they don't need to be in my store. I want to hear a plan of how that manufacturer is going to help me be successful with the brand. Otherwise, they're just looking for that ISO sell and they'll move on. So, you know, we, we talked about a canned cat food line. I refused them for years. Uh, and the... He's now the national sales manager. He's one of my best friends. Love him to death. But he came to me, and once we got past transparency, because that was a big deal with them, they didn't want to talk about where they were manufactured and all that. So once we got past, I said to him, how are we going to sell this food? And he said, you're going to give a can to every single customer that walks in your store for the next 30 days. And that's what he did. He sent me a pallet of little three ounce cans. And we just, we treated them out. We gave them to everybody who came in the store for grooming. We gave them to everybody. We used them as events. And that's how that brand was built. And it was because of that move. So that's what I look for nowadays. You want to come into my store at the time, tell me why and tell me how. So I I know we're going to talk about how the sales rep needs to support the retailer, but can we back up? And I know you said you researched through Whole Dog Journal which brands you you wanted. Is there any other research you did? Well, at that time, again, when I was first starting out, really Whole Dog Journal was about all that I had access to. And there were some online, online blogs. I think the dentist was still out there with oh, – I can't remember his – he actually sold a couple years ago – Pet Food List. I I forget the name of it, but there were a couple of websites, but you had Whole Dog Journal and eventually came along the publication out of Canada and then Susan Thixton hit the market. So those were kind of my go-tos. And then I even took it a step further for me and a step back 
from like Susan. Susan's got some rules that that are really intense. And so you have to find a balance for what works for your store. But I go back to my first statement. You, you don't want too many things on your shelf. And I know you've toured several manufacturing plants. How did you land that? And and what motivated you to do that? So absolutely, I encourage that. The very first tour that I went on was actually a PR tour. It was just, hey, look at our new plant. They invited everybody out. You know, they invited a bunch of retailers. They invited uh, suppliers and all that. And it was just a very controlled event. But that sparked my interest. And at that facility, they took us through. And of course, everything that you go through, they are controlling what you see and what you pass. And I kept saying, I wanted to see the meat. I wanted to see the meat. I want to see, because they here's a bushel of apples. That's what's going in the food. Great. Okay. Well, I want to see the meat. Well, they didn't want to show the meat. And I thought, well, you know, it must be some bloody mess and it just doesn't look good. And that's why they're trying to protect it. And the veterinarian for this company that I was on this PR tour took me aside and he said, I'll show you the meat, but you can't tell anybody. And he took me back there and it wasn't a bunch of dead animals laying around, which is what I had envisioned at the time. It was just tubs of pink slime. When they get their meat in, it's already been processed ground, some things have been added, and some water has been added, and then it gets delivered in a tub to this particular factory. So they were just bringing in that, what we call pink slime, thanks to the McDonald's uh, Expo years ago, but it's already been processed to where they need it for their machines. It wasn't anything really bad, but again, for a consumer to look at that, they think, well, now, wait a minute, that's not chicken. Well, it was, but it had already been processed. So that was my first kind of into the back room. And then I continued to push to get access to facilities. And luckily, what brands want to see is, does your store have a following? And it's not not talking about media influencers and social media and all that. But at the time, again, where I was, Platinum Paws, I went on local TV, local radio all the time, just doing one of the TV stations had a like uh, magazine show that, you know, it was just fluff. It came on after the news. Well, they'd love to have me on every month because I'd bring a different dog in and I'd talk about something. I'd talk about, you know, how to brush your dog or I'd talk about how to teach Sid or I would talk about a pet food recall. So you need to start trying to do that as a store to get your voice out more. And then the brands look at you as somebody who influences more than just their own store. And then they're more willing to do things for you. So that's the first thing that I would say is try and start being the expert. So write your columns, do your social media, get in with local media, TV, radio. I mean, radio, weekend radio. Um, it's not my demographic, but I love doing it. And it uh, once again, it puts my voice out there in front of other people. So that allowed me to have more access. But I would say, number one, 
Anytime a plant has an open event, I got a private tour back in the day and literally took it from step one all the way through. And I loved it. And it was a great experience and taught me so much. So again, each manufacturer does things just a little bit different. And, you know, for me as a retailer, what it really comes down to is I want to make sure I'm selling the best to my customer. I never want to sell something with a recall on it. Have I? Yeah. But man, I do not like being in that situation because I am personally endorsing that food if it's in my store. People just assume that it's a great food. So you to be that stringent, you got to then learn, well, you can't put the same rules on kibble that you put on raw. It, the manufacturing process, the way that it's handled and cooked and the finished product, if you say, I want to see this kill step in all the factories, well, that kill step won't work in another format. So that just pushed me to learn more and more about manufacturing, which led me to AFCO, which is the American Association of Feed Control Officials. And uh, that I learned even more about manufacturing, formulation, and more importantly, ingredients and ingredient sourcing. We are talking about, I, I love transparency. It's one of the pillars in my own business is that we are transparent with our customers and we expect transparency from our brands. And not only do we you know, research brands before we bring them in, but brands that are currently in our store, we continue to monitor and research them because if they make changes, we want to see that they are for the better. And if they make changes for the worse, then that shelf space, as you said, BC is extremely valuable and very expensive. So it will be taken up with partners. And I guess that's where I want to go next is It is more than just the product. It is the partnership. Like your canned cat food guy, when you're saying to him, how are you going to sell your food in my store? And he says, I'm going to give you a pallet of food that you can distribute to get people to try it. That's a fantastic partnership. So talk to us a little bit more about the different types of partnerships that you look for in a brand and kind of what are the partnerships that say, hey, I want to carry this brand? And what are those partnerships that you're like, you're, you're not being a partner, you're, you're my competition now, and I'm not going to carry you anymore? What, what does that look like to you, BC? Well, again, that's just all part of the vetting process. So when you sit down with a company, are they excited to be in your store? I mean, are they really, it's something that they think your store is going to be a good fit for their brand and make their brand appear a little bit better in your market? Or are they just looking for that sell for that initial stocking order? Maybe they give you 10 or 20% off. So again, you got to kind of qualify this through the experience and age of your store. You know, a brand new store, you can probably get a free first fill depending, but they are going to be, the manufacturer is going to be rightfully so kind of scared about giving a lot of money to a new store that might just feed their own dogs and never carry the product or never push the product. So the number one thing that I would say to a retailer is you need to have a plan of what you're looking for. So I'm not saying necessarily come out of the gate with that, 
I would want to hear, if I'm talking to BC's new pet food, I want to hear what they have to say. What are they going to do to help me sell it? Are they going to do any social media ads? Are they going to do an endorsement? Are they going to do anything to help push people through my door? And then once I've heard their plan, I'm also going to present what I thought, which might be more, you know, I want X amount of dollars or I want this or I want a coupon plan. I, you know, Astro, uh, for those in the business that kept track of purchasing, Astro became a big deal to me. I wanted the brand on Astro because I was tired of manufacturing frequent feeders myself. So that became a sticking point. So find what's going to work for your store and keep in mind, if you've just opened your doors and you don't really have a name, there's no motivation for them to really go out of their way unless they just don't have anybody in that market. Once you start getting a following, bring in an ISO, get your 50% off, which you should be able to get it even as a new store. You know, I would push for a free first fill, but even a new store should be able to get at least 50% off their first fill, sell it be loyal to that brand and then go back your second round and say, okay, we're off on a good start. Now I want to do something to keep these customers coming back to me. And then to circle kind of back around, most brands are going to end up direct to consumer. That's something that retailers are going to have to figure out to, to really say, I'm not going to pick a brand that is available on the internet either from the manufacturer or Chewy or one of those, I think that's short-sighted. Uh, that's coming. Um, it's cheaper for manufacturers to sell direct to consumer than it is through the current chain now. So with that being said, I want to make sure they're going to match any price that I find. I want to make sure that, you know, if they're running a Black Friday ad giving away free bags on you know, the internet website, I want to be able to do the same thing. And if a customer says one word to me that they found it cheaper, I want to be able to beat that, not just match it, but beat it and make sure that the uh, manufacturer is going to reimburse me for that. So that would be one of my sticking points in talking to them because it's going to happen. And it, it happens more and more and more every day. There are so few brands that are not going direct to consumer or DTC. The thing is for me as a retailer, when I'm the guy investing time and money into transitioning customers onto a brand's food, and then that brand <laughs> turns around and undercuts us as the retailer and poaches our customers and starts selling direct, that's where I have a problem. But Getting those partnerships where they work with you to say, hey, if if they see it on my website, match it or beat it, and I will reimburse you. That's a huge step in the right direction to being a good partner for the retailers who are truly building these brands. I've Here. actually gone the other way, too. There was a direct-to-consumer brand that I absolutely loved, and I approached them, and I said, I want, in your, I want your food in my store and I said, you know what, we're, we're really selling direct to consumer. That's not what we do. And uh, they allowed me to buy it. And then another store in my area bought it. And now they sell both. And it's a great food. And, you know, the pricing is, is kind of kept comparable. So 
it's it's a good relationship, even though that company had no intention of selling brick and mortar. You brought up another, you, you were talking about social media. And I think that in today's world, obviously, social plays a big part in any business's success and awareness or just recognition, right? The more you're out there in front of people, the the more people will start to recognize you. But I think that that's another thing. We've started implementing this not only for our brands, but also even when we get involved with rescues. We definitely, we, we want to help our, our local rescues. But we can't just leverage our audience. We need the help of our rescues. And I think the same thing happens with our brands. We have some brands that are fantastic every single time we tag them. Because, of course, anytime we're showcasing a product, we're tagging them. Um, And anytime we tag them, they reshare our content or they post it to their stories or they're sharing it on their feeds. But What is your stance on that, BC, with regards to kind of like we also have some brands that don't even follow our social media accounts. And and I've been, you know, for four years, I've been like, you don't even follow us. We've carried you since the day I opened. Like, do you care about what we're doing? What is your stance on that and their involvement in your social media? Well, again, that would be a topic of conversation that I would have with the representative. If they are not active on social media, if you got to look at any small store that has a following because they are considered the you know pet food guy for the area, is a endorsement of their brand. Just me talking about it. If I if I'm running a special on BC's dog food, that's going to help everybody that carries BC's dog food because it's that repetition. The name's getting out there. People, oh, you know, I heard that guy from Indiana mention this. Oh, and here it is in you know front of me at the store in Washington. So that type of uh, marketing is, that's what it is. It's marketing. So I would go to those brands and say, you know, I'm not going to do any more content focused on your brand at this time because I don't feel like you are a partner on that avenue. And a lot of times it's because they don't know. I mean, a lot of these small manufacturers, you know, they don't have media managers. They don't have people doing things. And it's, you know, some secretary who now takes over that role. So a lot of times it's educating what you want. So once again, we go back to, I always want a plan. So when I make that first phone call, what am I wanting them to do? And then if they don't figure it out as we're talking, I'm going to spell it out for them. I want you to post this under your brand. And you can do that for other stores too, but this one's going to be about me. And if they don't want to do that, maybe they got a good excuse. But once again, that should guide you on what you do with that brand in the future. Maybe you kill it in your store, or maybe it just doesn't become one that you immediately go to. But we go back to where I started. You know, I'm not going to have something in my store that I don't feel like's working with me. If they are working against me or doing nothing, then there's no point in that brand being in my store. There's too many good brands out there. I just wanted to bring up, because I, I did write an article about it in Pet Product News. It was one of my first, to be nice to your sales reps. Like, look, you may not get along with them personally, 
but they're the ones that are going to hook you up with a better ISO or those freebies for your event that you're having, or they're going to come and help train your staff. So you got to be nice to them. You got to build a rapport with them if you want to get things done to the maximum value. Would you agree, BC? Absolutely. And to add on to that, you need to sell yourself to that salesman. That salesman needs to think that you walk on water when it comes to pet food, because once again, he is the voice that the manufacturer is going to hear. The manufacturer doesn't know anything about BC, but because the sales rep has said, you know what, this guy in Indiana seems to be doing something good. That's what you want. So, you know, I have literally had representatives in my store that didn't know anything about their brand. As far as what I want to know, they didn't know where it was made. They didn't know what co-packing was. You know, they are trained on the product. They're sent out with their talking points. And you got to remember, that's their goal. They, most of them probably don't even care. I mean, it's a job. They are there to sell. Now, I'm not saying everybody, of course, but they are your friends and they are your voice. Now, my goal was always to get past them. So, Everything I would talk about when a sales rep comes in my store, I'm making notes, they're making notes, and I'm saying things like, well, will you check into this for me? Will you talk to your nutritionist? Will you talk to your consultation firm? You know, a lot of these places do not have nutritionists on staff, so they're using a third party. Well, I want to know who that is, or I want to talk to them about an ingredient or a percentage. And... I'm not going to put that salesman on the fire over that question. I'm going to say, can you find this out for me? And then we'll both know the answer. And you're kind of helping educate that sales rep, plus you're getting education, plus you're kind of tying yourself in. Not only does the sales rep know you, well, now their nutritionist has to call you to answer a question, so they know you. And you need to be kind with everybody. I mean, I, I make a, a joke when my one of my favorite pet foods in the whole world, Natura, which you know doesn't exist anymore, when they were bought by Procter & Gamble, I made a big deal about throwing them out on the curb. I took all of it and I put it outside and actually the Humane Society came and picked it up. And it was a big fun thing that I did. But... Procter & Gamble actually reached out to me and flew me to their plant to counter some of the things that I have been saying. And they said, listen, we'll show you everything. You need to come see it. And that was because of the rapport that I had with the rep. Now, they ended up killing that entire line. It doesn't exist anymore. And of course, then Procter & Gamble sold all a pet got out of it entirely. So the point that I was trying to make with that long-winded statement was everybody was still friendly with me. I was still friendly with everybody. Just because I think your food is not worth being in my store anymore doesn't mean that I'm not friends. That that individual from Procter & Gamble at the time went on to work for Phillips, became a sales manager. He's since retired, as a lot of people my age seem to be doing. But we were friends from day one till the end, you know, if I see him at Super Zoo next year, we'll have a nice long talk and nobody, I'm never going to be hateful toward a brand and I'm never going to come out on social media against a brand. I will say things like, 
I do not personally feed this, nor would I recommend it when people ask on social media about brands, but there's no point in us bashing. It, it will actually hurt you as a store on down the road. So many good points you made. Oh my gosh. So I really like the whole be seen type thing, you know, sell yourself to that rep so they know who you are. And gosh, you, there were so many good ones in that. Thank you for, uh, for sharing everything. Did you have any follow-up questions on that, Carly? I was just going to, I was going to get your opinion on influencers in the pet industry. And uh, when brands decide to work with influencers, what are the pros and cons that you see when brands decide to work with influencers? It all depends on the influencer. So I would say as a whole, and I hate, I'm trying really carefully to word, word this, but I'm not going to believe or listen to many influencers. I mean, again, they have a job. They have a role. You know, there's some great ones out there that I love. And if they told me there was gold in my backyard, I would start digging. There's other people that I'm like, yeah, I, I don't really believe everything that you're saying because it's coming off more just as a commercial. So, you know, I don't know that I can give a good answer for that because it really comes down to the person. Billy Hookman from Green Juju, you know, he, anything he lands on, people are going to have trust because that's the type of guy Billy is. So when he left answers, people were like, oh my goodness, what's going to happen to Billy? And when he went to Green Juju, obviously it was a perfect match, but it didn't matter because we all knew Billy wouldn't go somewhere that he didn't believe in. So again, if you have somebody that you, you get to know and you trust and you just know that they are a hundred percent above board, then great. But you know, unfortunately, with a lot of these influencers nowadays, you just really don't know because you don't get that one-on-one -on -one communication. So I wouldn't sponsor a influencer for my store at the time. I would welcome conversations and do things like this. But again, that's a different world to me. And to me, they really need to be working more with manufacturers. And I think manufacturers got to be really careful that they don't have influencers out there spreading misinformation. It is the it's the wild wild west on social media. Still, I, we're just at the the beginning stages of this whole thing. So yeah, it's pretty crazy. Carly, is it time for the lightning round or what do we call it? Listen, it's not lightning <laughs> round. It's rapid fire. Rapid fire. Okay. Jeez, Sorry. Lord. All right, BC, get ready. We are going to rapid fire some options for pets. And we want you to give us a thumbs up or thumbs down. Pause up, pause down. Oh, sorry. Yes, sorry. Rapid fire. Pause up, pause down. <laughs> so pause up or pause down when it comes to these different options for pets. Laser pointers. I'm I'm struggling because I want to qualify every single answer. You you can if you want. <laughs> I would say neutral. So laser pointers can be really frustrating with a cat. So if the user understands it and allows the cat to win, 
it's not necessarily a bad thing, but I think overall for the general population, uh, yeah, you're, you're causing a lot of anxiety in your calves. So, you know, if you're good user, thumbs up. Otherwise, general public, thumbs down. No, I did not sell them in my store. Yeah, I won't sell them. Either. Okay, so one one paw up, one paw down. Right. Okay, so so busy. <laughs> He's starting to look like an Egyptian. Um, okay, doggy play dates. But you want everything to be. I would say paws up, but again, qualify it. So yes, I think it's great if the people do it correctly. And of course, with the virus going on nowadays, you got to be really careful about that. But yes, it's. You want social dogs. Social dogs are awesome. Okay, tennis balls. Okay, thumbs up. I don't think I have to qualify that. Well, I mean, some dogs, if it fits in their mouth, you don't want them to have it because they could swallow it or tear it apart. But I got a German Shepherd that I trained completely with tennis balls. Oh, BC. I know we're going to talk about the chemicals and the toxins, but I'm telling you, there has to be some compromises. All right, here's a compromise. Pets on the furniture. Did you see my cat walk by the kitchen yeah. table? Yeah. I, I think I'm I'm paused up on that. Okay, pause up on the cats on the furniture. Okay. Bluetooth tracking devices. I this is not rapid fire, is it? <laughs> if if it's good for I don't have a problem with them. Now again, which level are you going? I mean, are you, <laughs> I'm rural people have problems losing their animals. I think it could be good, but there, there's some concerns about the uh, emissions that they make. There's concerns on a lot of different levels, but I would say pause up. How's that? I am not set up for rapid fire. Let me tell you, ladies, this is not my gig. Okay. We Get are- ready because there's five more. <laughs> but these are easy ones because they're for people. So these are sure. the people rapid fire now. Uh, mornings, pause up or pause down? Oh, no. God. Pause down. Pause down. Okay. Dining out. Oh, I'm in. Okay. Okay. Pause Beach up. Days. Beach days. No, I'm oh. down. Oh, pause down. Ketchup on your fries. Sure. Pause up. Pause up. And anchovies on your pizza. No, I'm out. Okay, good. <laughs> But That's I would awesome. <laughs> okay, well, we made it through the rapid fire, just not rapidly the first half. <laughs> Been doing this a long time. It's hard for me just to give one blanket statement. I get it. I get it. Sherry's a woman of very few words, and I make up for her. Yes. Yes, you do. So uh, I just wanted to highlight some of the takeaways that stood out to me in this episode. One of them is uh, your shelf space is valuable. So if it's if the product's not performing, do your research, bring in a product that you can get behind and negotiate a good ISO. And I want to add to that too, that if the partnership doesn't exist and that product is taking up space on your shelf, it's time to reevaluate. Yes. I also really liked be seen by the brand, like really sell yourself to the brand and be nice to your sales rep. Even if they leave that brand, people in the pet industry never leave. So once you're in, you're in and they float around and you may have to work with that person later on. So don't burn your bridges. 
Do you have any final words of wisdom, BC, for uh, any of our independent pet professional listeners out there to to get all of the knowledge out of your head? Yeah, like like, do you have one big takeaway that that indie retailers could utilize? Big takeaway to to, to put on to just what we were talking about. Also, when you're talking about smaller brands, they may not have sales reps, so just interject your distributor. So if there's not a sales rep, you still want to make yourself known to the distributor because the distributor will have the manufacturer's ear and the distributor wants you to succeed as well. So they can be your partner. So again, just because a brand doesn't have a sales rep walking in your door, that doesn't mean that you still can't try and get deals. Just you're going to probably have to take that through your distributor rep. One takeaway, the thing that I would say, be fluid and be prepared to make a change. I see it all the time. Something will change. We were talking earlier off air about the devil knocking at the door. You, If you've got a top brand, brand A is your favorite brand in the whole world, and you sell a ton of it, and they make a change that is against your philosophy, are you still going to let them stay, or are you going to dump them? If you are going to be that expert, then you got to be prepared to dump them. I would have a plan on every food I sell. And actually, we developed this theory back in 2007 with the recalls. You know, you needed, okay, if this brand isn't available, what's the closest thing that's not going to throw the dog into digestive upset? So if brand X is 34% protein and 18% fat, What's another brand that is exactly 34% protein and 18% fat that we can switch them to? Because that brand's not going to be available here anymore. So be fluid, and you should never be just all your eggs in one basket. So even though I said not a lot, you know, you want to have two or three good brands, and you want to encourage your customers to rotate through those brands. Nobody should be feeding one brand to their dog for an entire year at a time feed it for a few months and this cat agrees 100 percent with me that's why she keeps coming over um so yeah be fluid is the thing that i would say and and be careful don't get in bed so deep that you can't get out i i love that and i i just want to say as independent retailers we have the ability uh, and we are blessed uh, in the fact that we can make decisions fast and on the fly, whereas the big corporations, it, they are slow to move. So we need to use our tactics and, and pivoting to our advantage. All right. Well, I think that this was full of great, great tips from a very wise man who is, uh, like I said, very well known in the industry, a legend, BC. And now he's even more of a legend because he's been part of the Pet Shop Girls podcast. <laughs> Thank you guys for your time today, BC, for your great question, Sherry. And for everybody who's listening, we will see you next time. Thank you, Thanks. guys. Bye. Bye. That's it for this episode, Pet Pro. Make sure to follow, like, and subscribe. Just hit all the buttons. So you never miss the podcast that makes you sit, stay, and beg for more. The, the Pet Shop Girls. Dang it. I crossed up. Look, this is what I'm reading from. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is what I'm reading from.
I should have typed it up. I'm good. He's been a pillar in the pet industry. Okay, let's yeah, go. Yeah, there we go. Done. <laughs> we like to party. We like, we like to party. And we're going to party. When you join us at Connect, Canada's pet trade show for a possible time. Get ready to unleash the excitement during the Connect Pet Trade Show with our Hello Canada podcast launch party. Join us at 2 p.m. on Wednesday, May 15th for an unforgettable celebration filled with laughter, insights, and surprises. Meet us, the Pet Shop Girls, and fellow pet pros, and let's make some memories together. Don't miss our special live podcast recording at 2 p.m. on Thursday, May 16th. Tune in as we broadcast directly into our private Facebook group, The Indie Insider, bringing you exclusive content, industry insights, and a sneak peek at the show. Get ready to be inspired and empowered to take your business to new heights. Mark your calendars, pet pros, and come connect with us at the biggest pet trade show in Canada. See you there. We like to party. We like, we like to party. We like to party. We like to party. We like, we like to party. We like to party.